The views on a breath of fresh air podcast reflects the parties involved, and we encourage you all to use it as a conversational tool that will lead to personal studies of your own. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Welcome to a breath of fresh air podcast. Here with your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nakaz Gay. As a young person, Christianity can be so foggy, like smoke in the mirrors and so unclear. But we're here to bring you a breath of fresh air. King Solomon, you truly are the most wise man on earth. And your palace, the food, the attendants, they are all so marvelous. Your reputation truly precedes you. But I must say, the reports do you no justice. In fact, the stories I was told aren't half as impressive as what I see in person. Ah, yes, Queen Sheba. I must admit, this visit has truly been marvelous. You have been a most excellent guest. It reminds me of a proverb that I've written. As iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. <laughs> oh, you're making me blush. How many proverbs do you have? A few thousand, I think. Maybe three. I would have to count on Monday. <laughs> Truly impressive. It has been a pleasure, King Solomon, but I must be on my way. But I can't leave you empty-handed. As a token of my gratitude, I have brought you gifts. 120 talents of gold. Also, spices from the south. Yeah, we had to bring them in carriages. And lastly, precious stone. Your gifts are greatly appreciated. This is truly the most spice that Israel has ever seen and probably will ever see. King Solomon was the wisest and the richest king that ever lived. Really and truly, how rich was he? And how wise was he? This week, we explore both these questions and more as we discuss 1 Kings chapter 10. As always, be blessed and enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of A Breath of Fresh Air podcast. Here with your hosts, the guys gay. Earl Roberts. I just realized our names don't appear when we're actually in this view. It's all good. But yeah, hopefully everyone had a great week out there. This episode coming out in February, right? Oh, okay. yeah. It's actually coming out close to Valentine's. Well, oh, hopefully. Nice. See, but you know what, bro? You know what? That's another one that I'm, I, I, I have my eye on. Like, I, 
I, I hate to be this guy because then it could look like, oh, he ain't romantic. Or his, his wife probably suffering, right? Who was this fool? this Valentine? And why do why why should I care? Saint Valentine, right? Right. Like, who is this guy? Like, a Roman saint from the third century. Yeah, like the third century. I don't even trust that century. For him. <laughs> Too much things is happening during that century. But that's a that's a fuck, bro. Real talk. That's I'm a big jo- fuck, you know. I'm not joking, bro. I'm serious. Yeah, man. I'm serious. It's interesting how this tradition has has kept on for yeah, so bro. many thousands, hundreds of years, like bro. Saint Valentine died in the year 269. Mm. 269, bro. Ain't no thousand, ain't nothing. 269, bro. Like, that's crazy. That man, been dead. But, that was anyway, a, I, I'm not trying to step on nobody. That was a random tangent. <laughs> that was a very random tangent. Well, hopefully, everyone had a great week out there. Hopefully, you know. God's been great. I mean, I shouldn't say hopefully. God's always great. Just hopefully, like, we can remember that through the struggles that we're going through in life and the trials and tribulations. I mean, because Christian walk was never really promised to be easy. That's a common misconception that people, like, you know, people preach about. Prosperity gospel. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's what you blame for that. Yeah, and, 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 and it's like, I don't want to bash it because, I mean, like, I'm not saying God doesn't bless you and God doesn't bring you through hard times. That is not so far. God can bless you. He can do things, like again, exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. Amen. But on the other hand, it doesn't mean, you know, you're going to have to face some trials and tribulations and some tests. You know what I'm saying? Like we've, we've gone through many of the patriarchs in the Bible. It's kind of crazy because we're actually kind of done with the patriarchs. We've actually been mm-hmm. done with them for a little while now because we... Yeah, we- Quite literally are on the prophets and kings, as we can literally see. But again, we look through almost every patriarch that we've talked about so far. They all had a test from Adam straight on down to Abraham, even Noah. I miss Noah in between there. Moses, Joshua, Joseph. You name them. They had a test of some form. And it's up to you to decipher whether they passed or failed. A lot of them probably kind of failed. A lot of them had some stumbling blocks, but doesn't mean like it was... It was, you know, a, a peachy cane road. You know what I'm saying? So, again, how did I get here? Yeah, God is always good. And God is always great. It's his very essence. His essence is good. You know, his essence is righteousness. Like, God is these things. Like, you know, sometimes we say, like, we are like God. But, like, no, God is these things. So, what we're going through, we may say, God is unfair. No, that's impossible. God is always righteous. God mm-hmm. is always just. So God is never unfair. It's just that when we're going through our trials and circumstances in life, we feel like God is unfair. But again, we take a step back and analyze what's really happening. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that, and trust me, it can be quite challenging at times, especially when you go through a lot of devastating losses in life. Like, how can God let this happen? You know what I'm saying? But again, man, as always, it's, it's sometimes we just got to take, take a step back and just remember the, the very character of God and, I can't wait till we get to Job whenever we get to him because kind of this is really kind of rationalized in Job. Like, how can a good God allow such things to happen? But yeah, man, I guess that's kind of random yeah, thought. And, and to me, <coughs> you see, I, sometimes I often grapple with the concept of fairness because, like, to me, I don't think that's like a biblical trait. Not to say that there's anything wrong with it, but I think that's more of a human determination fair and justness on 
see on our behalf we feel like we can quantify that but it's like it's like like i could i could do something to you earl i could take you, you could you could cook food and you about to eat it or whatever and i could actually eat the food before you get to eat it and you upset about that or whatever mm-hmm. cuz you you wanted to eat that food and you could do the same thing back to me but it don't affect me the same way it affect you you know we did the same thing one for one right so in the in in our world that's fair it's only fair that i do that to you because you did that to me right but it don't affect me the same you know <coughs> and your your motive behind it isn't the same of my motive Mm-hmm. You know? And so like God who sees all of these things and take everything into consideration, he reacts to us in a just manner. And to us, it might be like, it's not fair. So I often think about, uh, it was somebody that Jesus healed. I can't remember. I believe it was a boy though. Oh, he was lame. And he, you know, obviously he could not walk. Or maybe he was dumb. I can't remember, but he, he had some type of disability. And Jesus healed him and the disciples asked, who sinned, him or his father? Mm-hmm. That caused him to be like that. I think he was lame. And Jesus said, no one. He was lame so that God could be glorified through his healing, right? And so now we have this young man, let's say he's like, let's say he was even 10. He had to go 10 years without walking. While everyone else can, like, why? I got to be the example to see how good God is. You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a humanistic mindset of saying that's not fair. You know why? Because my sister can walk. You know, my daddy can walk. This person who sin more to make you walk. That's not fair. You know what I'm saying? But God doesn't operate under the concept of fairness. So like, you could even say God ain't fair. You know what I'm saying? But that's a subjective thing because that's based on your definition or the generally accepted human standard of what is quote unquote fair. But at the end of the day, God is just and God is righteous mm-hmm. because these things are characteristic of him. You know what I'm saying? I heard somebody say, good is God. You know, God is good, but good is God. You know what I'm saying? Everything that is good, every quality that is being like God. You know, even Jesus said, I think it's in Matthew 5. I think it's around like 45 or something like that. Be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect, right? But that's that's on the heel of him saying, he shines the sun on the righteous and the unrighteous. But mm-hmm. that ain't fair. <laughs> if I do it, you know what I mean? Like, it's not fair. Like, I'm doing goodness. And so the Lord is blessing me or giving me um, resources that I feel like is a reward for me. But then the person who ain't doing what I do and still getting that. Is it fair? It's, oh, and I on, I on a long tangent now, but let's stay in with this one. Keep it going. Keep it going. The, the parable of the vineyard. When, That's what I was thinking about Matthew 20. Right. When the master promised everyone a denarii, which is a day's work wages, right? Mm-hmm. The people who was there all day get the denarii. The people who was there for one hour get the denarii. And to me, the, 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 the hidden gem in that is you could have been righteous your entire like 70 years straight just on the righteous path. Or you could have been righteous the day you died. You could have been righteous for one year. The you know thief what I'm on the cross. The thief on the cross like him. And he was promised to... He was promised to die in paradise, with, with, you know what I'm saying, to go to heaven. And it's not fair. It's not fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, but it's righteous. And then at the end of the day, if you still ain't buying that, just just defer to God and lean on to your own understanding. If, if you still say, right, that ain't fair, that ain't making no sense, just trust and believe that you are a subordinate being and he is a mm. superior being. Exactly. And uh, man, again, Sorry that we I even started this tangent, right? But that's a lot of people's 
gripe with Christianity and with God. Like, God isn't fair, and like, God's fairness and judgment doesn't make any sense. I mean, uh, like, that was Satan's whole premise, bro. Like, God's the law of God isn't fair. You know what I'm saying? And so, again, it just shows that, man, how sin has corrupted our own thinking because we we have this pre preconceived notion that what we want is the right way and the true way things can go. And what God is saying to us or what God's judgment, his word, his commandments, there's no way that these are fair to us. You know what I'm saying? Um, but at the same time, it's like, to your point, like, lean up to onto your own understanding. And this is why you should be like reading the word of God, because some things that seem not fair, you might be like, yeah, okay, I could see why God is asking me to do certain things. And it it just it, it starts to make more sense as you get deeper into it. But yeah, man, like the whole concept of fairness, to your point, is it's it's more of a human thing. After reading the book of Job, I I tend to believe that it is not possible for everything to be fair, only because you know we all have free will and we all make choices, we all make mistakes too. So it's like it's not possible for stuff to be fair, bro. Like you might see somebody, you might be on the bus and you see somebody who you um, will never see again in life. And you might accidentally bump into them and spill their coffee. And you know, they that, that might've hurt them. Like, bro, I, I don't have time. Or, or you might spill it on their shoes or, or, you know what I'm saying? Or you might do something to somebody in the one time you see them that they could never repay you. You know, they can never get even to you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's just so many variables. Like the concept of fairness, <clears throat> I feel like from a human to human perspective, we could implement that. But when we think about God, mm -hmm. God has so many, so many decisions to make and it's all interwoven. You could be, you could be repaid for something 20 years later for, for something that you did and you, and you don't even remember that you did, you, you could be getting consequences or not. And while you live in the righteous life, you could be thinking, oh, why, like, why this happening? Or, or you might, you might have changed, you know, and you're thinking, why this happening? You know, but at, at the end of the day, you know, always, and our God's ways, and I feel like that's why God did not even justify to Job why he did whatever he did. You know what I'm saying? And let's think of, oh, I know we ain't in Job yet, and we ain't there yet, but here's the thing. Why should he have? You know what I'm right. saying? Because what what would it have changed for one? And then it would have been like, okay, what reason do I need? And to your point, this happened to you so the goodness and glory of God could be shown. Well, what if you just can't even, what if he give you the answer and you can't comprehend it? Like, that's what he's saying. You know, bro. Can, I mean? you keep, can you keep the stars in the <laughs> sky, bro? Like, right. Like, like, first of all, before I get to tell you why I do this, let me give you a few questions and see what level of divine understanding you actually have. You know how to keep the sky and the, the stars in the sky? You know how to control Leviathan? You know what I'm saying? You know how to do all of these things? No? But I can't even I can't even get into this can of worms with you, bro. Uh, you this ask me big questions like, you won't even know. <laughs> when the, when Samson Daddy asks, asks Angel, like, who are you? <laughs> you, you? You ain't even gonna understand. Like, <laughs> it's not Yeah, bro. <laughs> I shouldn't even answer you, bro. <laughs> All right. So in this week's episode, 
can probably tell by the title, but we are talking about <laughs> title. We don't even know we could call this yet, but I assume <laughs> it's going to be something with probably some some sort move Solomon and uh, Queen of Sheba or the Queen of Sheba visit or something to that effect. We'll see mm-hmm. where we land. Yeah, but yeah. So last week we saw um, oh, consecrate being the consecration appeared to Solomon basically. Exactly. And now again was telling me, hey, we keep my commandments like walking away your father, David. I will definitely uphold the law. And then we also well uphold my covenant with you. And then we also saw at the end um other things that Solomon did. Um some of his other activities. And then how he burnt some sacrifices and he also like built some ships. And we were talking about like how it's probably like the first time we actually heard about like the Israelites actually on ships for real. And how much Gold and stuff, it was just accumulating. Ooh, this cough is going to be fun. Um, so now we're in First Kings chapter 10. And I'll just start. <clears throat> so reading from the New King James Version. Now when the Queen of Sheba, some versions of Sheba or something like that, but it's commonly referred to as Queen of Sheba, so I'm just going to say Sheba, heard of the fame concerning Solomon, Heard the theme of Solomon concerning the name of the law. She came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue with camels that bore spices, very much gold. I like how the Bible said very much gold, (laughs) very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was on her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the king queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters, and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Mm. And she said to the king, it was a true report, pardon me, which I heard in my own line about your words and your wisdom. You want to start talking here or you want to keep, when we keep going? I mean, we can kick it off right here, bro. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this. Where is Sheba? Like what, what land is that? So naturally we know that lands, some lands today go by different names. Not everyone was as fortunate as Egypt. <laughs> Egypt really kept its name long. And I must admit. Yeah. Ethiopia too. Like yeah. they keep their name long, but. So Sheba would be where modern day Yemen is. And mm. so Yemen, if you know the Arabian Peninsula, which is pretty much dominated by the Arabs on the north, and then you have Saudi Arabia that takes up most of the peninsula, right at the bottom of the peninsula, you have this country called Yemen. And so it's like at the southern tip of the peninsula, that's Yemen. And so if you look how far she would have had to travel from Yemen, all the way from Yemen through Saudi Arabia, all the way up to Israel, that's about like 1,500 miles, 1,500 miles conservatively. Yemen. You know, that's interesting because uh, I used, I did, you know, full transparency, I didn't search up where Sheba was, right? Mm-hmm. But I always wonder why Jesus referred to her as the queen of the South. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did, because that was like in Matthew? I want to say Matthew. And so 
So, yeah, because that's the same one where he's like, they was asking him for a sign. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Keep that, keep that point up. I'm, I'm going to touch on that a little later, but keep going. Yeah, no, no, no. I, like, geographically, I'm like, okay, it makes sense. So, yeah, it was, you know, it's, it's very it's very southern, you know, in, in the southern Saudi Arabia, like, kind of area close I- to East Africa, Ethiopia, stuff like that. And so, like, now we see a couple of things here, right? She came, well, I guess I'll do something. She came to Jerusalem from a far place because yes. of what she heard. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's like she came because of what she heard. And we see now word of Solomon, word of Solomon's wisdom has been reaching around the world, quote unquote, at this point. I don't know how far it reached, but we can say it's definitely reaching around the region. His wisdom and just the sheer wealth. And great things that Solomon is doing in the nation of Israel. So the name of Israel is becoming like a hot topic around the land right now. So much so that a full-on queen with a full-on queenly royal entourage, we can see a lot of spices. And again, it makes sense because if you go back in history in that part of region, they were known for their spices. And again, you have a lot of spices that you trade in. You have a lot of money. So mm-hmm. again, that's and why she, she came up with a lot of gold. She coming with a lot of gold. She coming with a lot of precious stones, and she coming with a lot of spices again. And it, and, it, and it makes sense, even like in the order of the Bible said it, because if you go, if you know, if you know that region about in history, like oh, that's why she had so much spices. And they were like the people of Sheba, Yemen, whatever. They were like that was their thing. They were good at harvesting spices and like you know actually like cultivating them and actually preparing them to be trading and stuff like that. And, and so, so now, go for it. Let's assume this woman is rich. I mean, we just say all that, right? Queen, everything pointing to, to, to riches, right? So let's once we establish that, she come to another kingdom and say, "Whoa, the way your the way your servants dress, the way they love you, your palace, your your wisdom, all of this is astounding to her." And it's like, bro, wh- how do you impress a, a queen? You know, how do you impress someone that's royal? You have everything at your disposal, you know. But mm-hmm. it just goes to show how. Advanced. I don't even want to say advanced, but like how impressive Solomon and his setup actually was. Like she, 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 she hadn't even seen stuff like that, and she, she herself is a queen and a rich one, you know. Bro, but exactly. Just take the cake in her eyes. You know what? You know what's funny too. Like, cause what did she say? Which part did I stop? Anyway, I I I stopped right before that part, right? But. Mm-hmm. It was true. Obviously, then she said to the king, "It was true report which I had heard in my own line about the about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe. I'm gonna continue a little bit. However, I did not believe your words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was <laughs> not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Mm, Fames. So now to your point, right? Mm-hmm. She is a queen. So now." She heard, oh, Israel have this King Solomon. He has just built a magnificent temple to his God. He has also built a magnificent palace for himself. The land is flowing, flowing with riches. Mm-hmm. He has, he kills however many cattle a day to eat, day, however many right? fowl to eat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Don't forget the sheep and the and the and and, and the and, and the show box and the, the whatever and, yeah. exactly right. Mm-hmm. She hearing all of this, right? She saying, "Huh, 
okay, she's probably has some yeah. one of the other kingdoms. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, come on, right. we all got like policies. And then yeah. she also heard about his wisdom. And again, humans, come on, how smart can he really be, guys? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, like me. I, I skeptical <laughs> like that. Like, I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, that's small things, bro. That ain't nothing. You know? So what are you eating that good? Everyone is eating that good. <laughs> exactly. But now when she got there, right? So imagine this. You expecting something to be like, you know, top notch, right? You're like, all right, probably, probably an over-exaggeration, right? But if it meets the expectation, you still would be wild, right? Mm-hmm. When you actually get to this place and you witness it for your own eyes, it's literally like a hundred percent more than you even expected. Like you expect it to be good, but it turned mm-hmm. out to be like double that, not even taking. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You le- yeah. literally leaving you speechless. And she's like, whoa. I heard it in my lab, but that didn't even do you justice. Right. I thought they was over-exaggerating, but they ain't even do you justice right now. I need to go back and do, actually... They didn't even, even tell half as much as, as how smart you actually are. Like. But yeah, man, like, and that's, and that's, it, that speaks to, like, the, the luxury and splendor Solomon had Israel in. You know what I'm saying? Granted, always through God, like, God was definitely allowing Israel to be blessed. Don't want to leave that point out, right? But it just shows where Israel was ranking in the world right now during this time. I want to know what question she asks, but I get that if you had said the questions over the course of time, it would have become so regular. To, yeah, like so <laughs> to, to the point where it ain't impressive no more. Like I get it because we would have like the first people who read it would have been like, wow, wow. But then as it gets taught, it becomes common knowledge. Like, oh, this person is like imagine the person, the first person who, who like, I can say the first first person who invented fire, but like just imagine when someone realized what you put these two together, what this does. Oh, oh, this person is a genius. You know, he he learned that you rub these two sticks together and, and it causes fire or how to how to keep a fire from not burning too too much or what yeast does to mm-hmm. know it. But then you passed it on, you passed it on, you passed it on. I was coming on the talk. Oh yeah, we'll just add yeast to that and they're gonna rise and this and that. You feel me? But the first person who probably put that together, you know, they probably had to do some deep thinking, you know, stuff like that. Like, um, but I really wish I could get a gauge of the type of questions she asks. Because I, you know, I, 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 I imagine her to be a smart lady because, you know, you have to rule the country. You know what I mean? But I need to know how tricky she was giving it up. Because if she was asking questions like, <laughs> where does God come from? And how was he created? You know what I mean? Like, like questions like that will come first, the chicken on an egg. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, nah. It's like, I just still need to be like, Questions of morality, yeah. ethics, even diplomacy. Mm-hmm. And again, probably there's probably like probably like some riddles or stuff like that. Wasn't there like a story where she make him like try to tell the difference between a flower and a fake flower or something like that? I don't know where I get that from. Must have been a cartoon or something. That's the the first I right now. They do a number on you, bro. But they do a number on you, bro. They necessary, right? But yeah, they some things is like it's hard for you to forget. The creative, the, 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 the creative, creative liberalism. Liberties, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I just imagine to be like questions of the day that were super relevant, but also very like thought provoking. And it's like, okay, like how would you approach the situation if you were faced with this? Mm-hmm. How would you negotiate with these people who don't serve the same gods as you and have some like so different things? Like, how would you like propose these situations? Like, and then he was just, you know, 
oh well you know this is how i would do this, this. is how you do it you know this is this is how, this is how i would handle a situation okay yeah that oh and most definitely the chicken came before the egg <laughs> <laughs> and then she gasped <laughs> they, they have not told me the half of it we truly are as wise as they say exactly exactly but then okay uh keep on going in verse eight she said, happy are your men and happy are, are these your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. So this part was interesting too, right? Mm -hmm. Because one, she's she realizing the whole totality of it, right? She saw, first of all, she saw like his table. She saw his seat of his servants, his waiters, his, their apparel, their cupbearers, his entryway, how he went up. But she's saying, oh, it's something, it's something, it's something a little different here. You know, your servants are super happy to be serving you. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that ain't really common, but they happy to be here. They are, they, they are overjoyed. You know what I'm saying? Like, clearly you are blessed. Like, bless the Lord your God who delighted in you setting you on this throne. You know what I'm saying? Like, she recognized that, hey, whatever God y'all worshiping here in Israel, it's working. he's doing some good stuff. Mm -hmm. And blessed is he that he put you here with all your wisdom to rule over these people because the Lord has loved Israel and because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Funny how we started off this episode talking about justice and righteousness and that wasn't even planned. Right. Well. But yeah, man, and, and and I asked you this question like off off pod, right? Before the pod, right? But it's like, do you think she was converted to follow the God of Israel? Because it doesn't really say it, but it's like she talking like she was, but it's like like how, how when you read it, what did you think? Like first thoughts. Honestly, I don't think she was converted, but I can't say obviously, like we don't have enough info to make a clear judgment but you know just for sake of conversation i believe that she was impressed meaning god left an impression on her for the rest of her life right now the converting thing that's like a you know that's a conscious effort on a daily mm -hmm. i don't know what she going back to and if you know some you know some people just forget you know what I mean? You had that. You had that thing, and it's like it's like the parable of the sower on the shallow ground. You had a you had an experience, and you sprout up quick, and then the times come, and then you sh you sh wither away and stuff like that. But even even to the to the Jesus point, you know, Jesus called them called the people. I think it was the Pharisees and everybody like faceless or like adulterous generation because he was saying that the queen of the south. Mm -hmm. Solomon spoke to her and she believed. Boom. She believed. And he's saying, bro, she's speaking to Solomon. Jesus was saying, bro, she's speaking to Solomon. Y'all speaking to me. me. And y'all exactly. don't believe. You know what I mean? Like, what you mean? Show me a sign. Solomon, you have to show no signs. Solomon spoke to her. Solomon answered her questions. And she believed. You feel me? And so, to that point, I do believe she was impressed and I would go on to say she was impressed enough to have converted. That, like that is, I think that was a sufficient experience for her to convert. And if she did that, it really just was was up to her from there. You know, depending on what type of person she is. 
And what yeah, like, think? well, to me, it's, it's mixed, right? Because I think the seed was definitely planted, right? But when you go Matthew 12, 42, which you was talking about the Queen of the South, it definitely like implies that like she actually was converted on, on, a, on a conversation with Solomon was so like, was so mind blowing and that she was like able to be converted. And, and, and again, like it's like a powerful analogy here when we look at, when we look at the queen of Sheba in totality, right? Because think about it, she came from a long, she came from a great distance, right? She also mm-hmm. came with gifts to offer Solomon. She also came to question and to learn. You know what I'm saying? Like she came not to like come to get you type questions, but it was like, all right, I come in to like, you know, test and see if this is actually good. I really come in to try to discredit anything I've heard, but I'm coming to like generally learn the authenticity of your wisdom, the source of your wisdom, where it's coming from. And it's also good. It's also upon Solomon to be like a good advocate of Christ, a good advocate of God, because he could have been there and just be boastful, hard, haughty, and just saying, you know, it's all me, you know, not giving any of the praise and glory to God. But at this point in time, Solomon was still like a very humble, knowledgeable, quite honestly, still a very wise king. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he was still a good advocate or ambassador for Christ. You know what I'm saying? And so, and she, and, and, and again, she came there like, you know, telling them all the questions she had on her heart. And again, we don't know the extent of these questions. It's like some of these questions quite literally could have been about God and idols and worshiping. Like these were still like, I mean, because think of like, we, we've mentioned this a few times, but like your religion was such a big part of your life, even today, but especially back then the gods you worship and all these kind of things. She'd be like, yo, clearly your God is clearly blessing you above all of us other nations out here. Like, what's so special about your God? You hmm. know what I'm saying? Because I think even as a queen, a ruler in that in that time period, like, it's really about like, at the end of the day, I want my, I want my people to be blessed too. You know what I'm saying? Like, how can, yeah. like, what you doing so good over here and you saying it's your God? Tell me about this God. Because I want to go back home and not just say I met Solomon, but I can implement some of the things you guys doing over here for my own country. Yeah, we well off, but we ain't got it this good. It's like the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. You know what I'm saying? You're living good as a millionaire. But boy, when you get to that Billy status, that's a whole different ball game. You know what I'm saying? Granted, I I, I live far from both, so I can't really talk. But (laughs) I can't talk neither. But to your point, bro, you you, you brought up a good... I'm sorry. You brought Go up for a good point because Matthew 12, 42, just want to read a little bit. So just for context, you know, it's saying certain scribes and Pharisees were spoken, speaking to Jesus and, and they say, hey, we would see, our master, we would see a sign from the, basically, hey, you know, show us a sign. You know, Jesus was born an adulterous generation seeking after a sign. And he, he spoke about Jonah. And then he goes in to talk about in verse 42, the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And to me, I take that very specifically and literal. She shall rise up in the judgment, you know. Um, to me, that implies that she will be in heaven. You understand? Mm-hmm. Um, she will be in heaven and you know, when judgment and we going over people's lives and stuff like that, she would be there saying, yo, yeah, them set. Yeah, they they wasn't really, they wasn't topped in for real because if y'all needed all this for y'all to be convinced. And the, and the problem with the Pharisees was, bro, they literally had signs. They had signs, but you, when they see the sign, you know what they say? He ain't on the side, but, you know what I mean? Like, like he's the <laughs> Like, they, they had an excuse for everything, you know? <laughs> 
And Jesus had a response for everything, but you know, every time they see something, they're like, oh, this one's saying he he could he could he could um he could forgive sins. He's a blasphemer. You know, everything they see, they had something to say. But they turn around asking for a sign. Like, you know, they had no sign though. And then what sign? What sign can I give you? <laughs> when Jesus was getting baptized, Bro. not even like when Jesus was on the cross. We are, like we see the, the clouds, people rising from the dead, like earthquakes, earthquakes. all type of thing. But y'all want a sign? <laughs> like what sign? You know what I mean? What sign? Though? Like what can we do? You know? And this is like kind of going to like our opening point. At a certain point, like God could give you all the answers. But that still won't be enough, right? Because you can't so, comprehend it. So it's almost like what? Like again, it's like, I, like I say this kind of like cheekily with like, why should he answer Job? But at the same time, it's like this: like we have instances where he gave people signs, bro, and it still wasn't enough to convince them. Even Gideon, going back to Gideon, bro, Gideon legitimately had sign. God What else I could do for you? I answered this exactly how you asked me, bro. <laughs> like for real, bro. But go for it. But then you have people who we ain't even seeing all that and believing. But my wife is writing a sermon on the woman of with the issue of blood, bro. Bro, you know it's so crazy about that. <laughs> and we on a tangent now, but bro, you cannot if you if you if you have your period, if you if you are you are considered unclean, which means you cannot touch someone, mm-hmm. or, else, or else they're gonna be unclean. Unclean. Yep. Until nighttime, you know what I mean? And so we have in Leviticus where God was teaching us ways how we could, you know, offer sacrifice and reside among him, lest we die if we was unclean, right? This woman, knowing that, saw Jesus and in all his cleanness, she figured that touching him will make me clean opposed to me, me making, making him dirty. unclean. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's like, I was like, oh, bro. I was like, no. Because like, bro, if you deal with, if you deal with blood for 12 years, you understand you cannot touch somebody. Like, like if you just was from that culture, you understand you can't touch someone or, or you can make. The only person who you understand that is my good boy. What do you mean? Samson. <laughs> feed, feed this for me and daddy. The food out of the lion. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's my boy. All right, I'll, I'll admit it. I can stop denying it. That's my good boy. Sounds good. Yeah, like you could be walking <laughs> the streets of gold together, man. <laughs> well, good virgin. But anyway, <laughs> so, so the thing about it is like, bro, such a contrast. And it's like, sometimes I listen to Bible Project and they make so much like parallels between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's like Egypt. Every time someone go to Egypt, something bad happens. You know what I mean? Like, with the exception of... Well, Joseph, when Joseph went to Egypt, something bad was happening too. You see what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and, and then the slavery, you know, you know, stuff like that. But now when Jesus go to Egypt, it's for something good. It's to get away from the Israelite king. Not, not, the, not the Egyptian, not the Egyptian. A lot of times people have to get away from the Egyptian king. Um, Abraham had to get away from him. You know, obviously Moses and stuff like that. But now in Jesus' time, he going to the, you know, it's like, it's the, it's the rap, like it's parallels mm-hmm. and, and like an opposite. We can see type and anti-type happening all the time, like in the New Testament. But this one, this one kind of, I, I know y'all might be listening like, oh, that ain't, that ain't that crazy. But for me, that's crazy because 
I, I try my best to study Leviticus, Exodus, and Deuteronomy so I can have a better cultural understanding as to what's happening. So to me, this woman had to, bro, it took so much faith mm-hmm. for her to try to touch him, knowing the consequences of touching somebody, you know, during that time, you know, or how taboo that was. And then even then we see someone who, because I was going to kind of relate to how the Queen of Sheba was seeking out Solomon to get these <clears throat> blessings, but we see how she was like, through the crowd, she had to like seek out Jesus because the crowd, the Bible gives the impression the crowd was thick. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And the one thing I like about that story too is that we see instantly when she was healed, but Jesus asked, who touched me? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just because, you know, the was like, what you mean who touched you, bro? We had a thick mm-hmm. crowd. It's like the reason why he actually is like, hold on, I know I felt my power, well, power left my body. You know what I'm saying? Like, I felt an act of faith just happen. No, mm-hmm. seriously, like, y'all don't understand this. That was a normal touch. It was a touch of faith. Mm-hmm. Who touched me? This mm-hmm. needs to be acknowledged because, again, this person ain't coming asking me to do nothing. She ain't even talking to Jesus. Say, like, bro, if I just, he don't, even, he don't even have to say the words, bro. He don't even have to touch me. If I reach out and just touch his claws, bro. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I just touch his claws, I, I already seeking after him. I know, I know all, with all power and faith, he could heal me. I just touch his claws, I know I should be able to get healed. Jesus is like, bro, think about it, bro. You walking, you at Chunkanu now, but you pumping into all kind of people, bro. People just bumping into you, whatever, whatever. You just walking, right? You won't even, you won't even mind. He's like, all right, cool. That's why imagine Jesus. I'm not saying Jesus is a Chunkanu, right? But it's my <laughs> Jesus, a very, a very thick crowd, bro. So obviously, people could be touching you, and you was still like. You're the guy person right now. Yeah, you know what because, I'm saying? Because make no mistake, bro. Jesus was actually, he was on his way to go heal Jairus' daughter, bro. Like he was on a mission at the time. Jairus', Jairus daughter dying, bro. You see what I said? And this woman took the opportunity. Like, bro, it's like, bro, I've been dealing with this for 12 years. I've been going to um, different doctors and they've been making it worse. Hmm. You know, this you bleed, right? I can't. Well, I, don't I, don't want know, I don't yeah, I don't yeah, I don't I don't know what even one day or a week that most women go through. I don't know what that feels like, but imagine it is. God bless so, them. You know, but she she had she had a crazy fate, bro. Like I can't like I I don't want that to be understated, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't even know how I get here with this conversation. It's <laughs> 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 <Is> something <clears throat> Yeah, I'll pay for me from this call. But anyway, right? It's something else I was trying to, like, I want to mention because when we get to the second part of this chapter, it's going to be a great parallel. But going to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. Now it now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe and carefully, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, the Lord will set you above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obeyed the voice of the God. You shall be fruit of the body. You should be first and not last, all these kind of things, right? I just want to say that, right? Because now we're seeing right now, in my opinion, it's the, it's the fulfillment of some of the blessings that there was promised upon Israel if you guys obey my commandments and walk in my word. And I'm saying because we're seeing Israel is clearly above all the nations of the earth right now. You know what I'm saying? And people will get nitpicky about, is it all the earth or is it just this region? You know what I'm saying? I I, I ain't 
we're getting that kind of semantics right now, but we see right now, Israel is clearly the talk of the town. The Lord is clearly blessing Israel above all these other nations because as it currently stands, for once, for a decent amount of time, they're actually like following his words. The, the leader is being good. Being a good boy. Being a good boy for once. <laughs> we haven't seen this in a while. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah. And he and and he and he's trying to do and 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 he's and the nation is prospering. And we're gonna we're gonna read a couple more verses before we like take a little switch. But I just want to paint this picture in Deuteronomy 28. Like things are going good. And I was telling Kazi, like when you read this chapter, the author is kind of assuming you know the background of Deuteronomy. Because mm-hmm. when you read this chapter, you kind of seeing you you could we 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 gonna get into some of the other parts, but you're gonna see the duality and the parallel. It's crazy that some of these different things has come up, but we're we going to see the parallels between like Deuteronomy and what's happening right now in Israel. Bro, bro, I just don't understand why people feel confident to say that the New Testament is irrelevant. Like, bro, the old? The old, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The Old Testament is irrelevant. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't understand how, how, I don't understand how not one Christian get off that demeanor because it's okay. I'm more lenient when people don't really like or don't really read the first five books of mm-hmm. the Bible. I'm a little more lenient with that only because it's very difficult, certain parts of that, right? But, bro, in order for us to understand Kings, in order for us to understand Judges and Samuel and Joshua and everything that come after Deuteronomy, we have to understand the first five. Mm-hmm. In order for us to understand core fundamentals of human life, we have to understand Genesis. Bro, if you understand, if you understand um, um, the first, like Genesis 1 to 4, but I'll tell you so, I think for us, Cain and Abel, that'll tell you so much about human nature. That, like, it's so, much, so much concepts in there about human nature. It's free will. It's, um, um, religious liberty. It's like religious persecution, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Cain kill his brother because they worship God differently. And we see that continually throughout the Bible. And it's like these fundamentals continue to grow and, and, and they show themselves in different ways. And it's like, if, if you don't understand the first five books, you're not going to get as much out of, out of the Old Testament. But if you don't understand the Old Testament, you're not going to get as much out of the New Testament. And so for you to live in the New Testament without having already understood the Old Testament, you're missing, bro, I want to say you're missing, I can't even put a percentage on that, but you're missing so much of the Bible. You're not going to understand. And, and like a lot of things you're going to think is, is saying one thing, but it might be saying something completely different. It might be a parallel to the Old Testament. For instance, when Jesus was talking to Satan, man should not live by bread alone. That's Deuteronomy. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like exactly. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy three times to, Ooh, to, to the devil. To the devil. Straight up, you know? And when Jesus said, um, love the Lord with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. Deuteronomy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, no, no cap. Bro, I could not believe when we read Deuteronomy. And Moses was going back 
over the things that was happening. He's talking about manna, and he say, "Man, should I live like bread and not?" I almost accused Moses of quoting Jesus. <laughs> you know how crazy that is. I said, "Oh Moses, going back in time and filling the sin after hearing Jesus on that mountain with Satan." You know, but no, bro. Like you see, but you hear idiotic that song. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. when, but when I even when I see love your neighbor as yourself, love love the Lord with all your heart. I think that's Deuteronomy. That's a Shema. Six. That's a Shema, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'm like, what? So you mean to tell me Jesus keep Jesus was quoting the Old Testament? Duh. What else did he have to? It wasn't even the Old Testament back then. It was the it was the Testament. You know it, was a, it, was it was the, the scrolls. Script. It was the scrolls. You know. And so, so like to me, to your point, to your point. Oh no, this is I know this is just a wave. Of, it just bothered me, like, because I because I'm like, bro, a lot of people. I just see I just see a Christian comedian that they make a joke about. He said, "Bro, you, I, how I know you're not saved, bro? Because Leviticus." And then someone correct, someone stop him was like, "Bro, you know nobody reads Leviticus." And he's like, "Yeah, you're right, you're right." And I laugh at that, you know, because it's true. It is true. Honestly, people might read it just for reading's sake, but nobody, a lot of people do not try to really tackle this stuff and, and understand it because it's so controversial. That was the only book in the Bible that intimidated me. Personally, but bro, if you understand these things, you can understand why people act the way they was acting throughout the Old Testament. And um, just to progress now, you will understand the latter half of this chapter much better if you understood what was required of kings. Fox. So now in uh, chapter 10, then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity and precious stones. Just for context, 120 talents of gold is nearly 9,000 pounds of gold. And in today's current, you know, spot price of gold, that's over 252,682,492 dollars. That's a lot of money. <laughs> she gave Solomon as a gift. As a gift. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, bro? Hey, you know, people always say, what do you give someone who has everything? Has everything, yeah. Something. That's, give him something. That's very valuable. I can give you more of anything that you than you had before. <laughs> so, so being rich is an understatement. Yeah. Understatement. So you see, like, again, she was a queen. And, we, and again, we see that their kingdom was also very rich Thriving. and wealthy. Yeah. But that also speaks to what was happening in Israel because she was like, there's something that my kingdom is missing. Yeah. And You're doing it bigger than me. You're exactly. Doing it better than me. Yeah. And the Bible even said, there's ne- there never again came such an abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. What? what? <laughs> I mean, so it, again, her region was known for spices. So imagine all the spices that they that she brought into Israel at this time. You know what I'm saying? Like, just imagine the amount of spices she bring in Israel that there was. And to your point, you're saying, Mani, how was Solomon spicing up his food? I'm pretty <laughs> sure yeah, the you feast know, got man. a lot, a little bit more seasoned after she left than the, than the food was before. Yeah, a little, little chipotle seasoning. Y'all ain't had this yet. <laughs> Y'all ain't had this before. Just that sloppy mama. <laughs> so that's, that's, and, and that's pretty interesting. And so we see, again, she was still impressed to leave all these things with the king. 
and verse 11, also the ships of Iram, which brought gold from Ophir, brought great quantities of almug wood and precious stones from Ophir. And the king made steps of the almug wood for the house of the Lord, for the king's house, also harps and stringed instruments for singers. There were there never again came such such almug wood, nor has it been seen to this day. Um, now can you gonna say something? No, I was just commenting, bro. That's crazy. That's they breaking records, like bro. The I the, the type of the, the amount of spices I giving you all, you never gonna see this much spices <laughs> again. And I bring in this, it ain't like we reap this or we save this, you know? Exactly. Just one trip. One trip. And then we see now in verse 13. Now Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. So he turned, so she turned and went her own to her own country, she and her servants. Isn't it interesting how the Bible didn't say what he gave her? Mm-hmm. But it's like whatever she wanted, she got. Which is interesting. I'm like, imagine this, right? Yeah. Imagine you say, you know, use my guess. You say, Earl, I could give you $500, right? But I send you on your way with $1,000. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> right. right. That's funny. So you never, it's a, I, I don't know, because like, okay, what do I give her money? I just give her back a nine thousand pounds, like I, enough to be enough to be probably it's something valuable, but it probably just a different bottle. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Measure, yeah, I don't know, like some something different, like whatever issue was doing back then, maybe olives. You know, what I mean? a bunch olives. Of, some oil. I giving like, you some of these knife fatted Weigel beef. Real dog, like I give you the best. Unleavened bread you ever tasted. I'm just kidding. But something. I know you do something. Yeah, so now we go in in verse 14. Okay, so now the weight of gold that came to Solomon's year, Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. Besides that, from the traveling merchants, from the income traders, from all the kings of Arabia and from the and from the governments of and from the governments of the country. So we see like this amount of money was his base. So so watch this, right? Mm-hmm. It's 120 talents of gold, it's 200 plus million, right? 66 talents of gold was his yearly. 666. Oh, 666. Yep, 666. We're going to get to oh. that in a bit, too. Oh, my bad. My bad. I, I was thinking of something completely different. Like, I didn't even realize this was the text. <laughs> but just for context, that's about 1,400,000. Nope, I lie. That's 1,400. Yeah, that's like about, that's like a little over like a million something. Either way, it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money. <laughs> But yeah. no, I lie. That's over like a billion dollars. That's I, 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 going, that's, yeah, that's over a billion dollars. I got. I, I I look at the one wrong. You carry the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, uh, because what I was gonna say was if a hundred and um, twenty what, is two hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but six hundred. It's one billion four hundred and two million three 
187,826 in current days prices, you know, price of gold fluctuates, but that's a lot of money regardless. That's and this is money. like your yearly base income. Yeah. That's, that's mind blowing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And this only speaks not to the wealth of Solomon, but it also like, that's just wild. Yeah, That's just wild. So the, the weight of gold that came to Solomon? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, buddy. <laughs> Solomon, Solomon was a rich guy. He was a very, you know, you know, because because to me, right? A lot of times when I think about wealth in those times, I think like it's asset based, it ain't really that liquid. I mean, granted, like, what was liquidity back then? You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you have land, you have um, gold, you have silver, you have cattle. You know, it's just, it's just so many, so many valuable things to trade. You know what I mean? But I didn't really think they had, they, they, I didn't, I don't really think the kings are suffering a lot of gold and stuff, you know, but. Boy, Solomon, sure, I'll show you wrong. He's putting in a billy every year, bro. I want to read something that can set the premise for everything else we talk about. But mm-hmm. the reason why I got to read the whole thing is that is like this, this part at the end of it, which is Bible, go figure. But mm-hmm. right. But uh, Deuteron- Deuteronomy 17, verse 14 to 17. Mm-hmm. This literally what was set up for whenever the, it's so funny that God just set these rules up whenever y'all get a king. Cause I, I it, it's so when- funny, right? Cause they was never really supposed to have a king. But it's like at some point, I was like, I know y'all could probably want a king because I just know how y'all go. So let me set the rules for y'all having a king way before y'all even have a king. Right, but you know what's so funny? This might be our third or fourth time reading this very text on this part, right? Mm-hmm. Said Samuel. But now the relevance is going to be so quick. It, it was never more relevant than now, bro. Like every time we read it, we might have been talking on one line or one verse. But now it's like, whoa. Exactly. So when you come into the land which the Lord has given you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like the other nations around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One among your brethren, you shall set a king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother, but he shall not multiply horses for himself nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Hmm. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself. Let his heart turn away. Neither shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Mercy. Give us 18 too, bro. Also, Okay. Also, it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in the book. This is very important. So, God, you make me read it. Mm-hmm. From one before the priests and the Levites. And it shall be with him that he shall read it all the days of his life. Mm-hmm. That he may learn to fear God, fear the Lord his God, and to be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left mm. and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom so that so, so in his kingdom he and his children in the midst of israel 
So you can't claim ignorance. No. You especially you being the wisest man. Right? So let's go to my thing about Deuteronomy. Now, when we read this, a voice in my head just came about and said, yeah, but that was Deuteronomy. You know what I mean? As if mm-hmm. these things are not still applicable or even or worse, these things were not specifically applicable then. You know what I mean? But, and the funny thing, what came in my head just now was like, how consistent God still is, right? Because think about it, even when God came to him last chapter or two chapters ago, for the second time, right? Mm-hmm. We, what, was he, what did he still echo? Bro, if you just keep, keep my commandments and walk in my word, bro, I will prolong you and your kingdom and your, and your children also inherit this throne. Never change. You know I've what I'm been, saying? Pretty much the same this. thing. I say this from Moses' time, bro. You know I've what I'm been saying? saying this. Yeah. I just kind of reiterating what you should be hearing every day. And that's even more important. Because think about it. You should be hearing these words every day. Every day. For me coming back, just reiterating. It's like, oh, yeah, I read that. That was just read to me by the whoever, the, the prophet, yeah. priest, mm-hmm. whoever's come and read. That's, I just I literally just heard that today. So literally what you just saying is just a reinforcement of what, of what I've been hearing. You know what I'm saying? And... Think about it. We go back to when Solomon, you know, asked for wisdom. You know what I'm saying? What else? What also did God do? God already blessed him and gave him everything else that he could have asked for, right? So Solomon, God already blessed Solomon with great riches, right? But now the thing is, we see in our Solomon playing a dangerous game now. He turned the blessings of the God into the slippery slope we start to play with disobedience. Because now God blessed you with this, right? Because I don't want people to get misconstrued like, oh yeah, God gave him this blessings. God gave him this, right? Solomon's saying, bro, typical human logic, but I could flip this and double this and triple this. Yes. Right? God ain't ever done you do this, buddy. Right. Solomon say, but, you know, you blessed me with this, but I could, I could take this blessing and do this. Right? Mm. But the problem is, doing this directly contradicts what God told you not to do. Yes. Go for it. Right? <laughs> no, we got to read, we got to read the, uh, we got to, we got to read the chapter. So now we get that we can get into specifics. All right. All right. I did I so, lose it? So we I just think, read. Yeah, 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 I, I just, take it up. I I I slicked the to Deuteronomy and I lo- I lost kings. Gotcha. So we had just finished read the six hundred and sixty-six talents of gold, which we we can we can, hop, we can go back to that. But mm-hmm. verse fifteen now. Besides that, from from the traveling merch from the traveling merchants, from the income of traders, from all the kings of Arabia and from the governors of the country. So basically he's saying he got all his talents, but that's before you even count, you know, the merchants and all of the travelers mm-hmm. who come into the country. Verse 16, and King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, 600 shekels of gold, which went into each. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold, three minas of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Moreover, the king made a throne, a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. That sounds beautiful. The throne had six steps and the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat and two lions stood beside the armrest. It sounded like Earl designed this, um, this throne. No lions. <laughs> two lions stood there. One on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this has been made for any other king. Bro, <laughs> it's funny you said that. Like, so I was reading this. I was like, this is like something I would do, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally like something I would do. For real. All right, verse 21. 
All King Solomon's drinking vessels were pure gold. Solomon like bling bling, bro. Like <laughs> the golden chalice. Solomon invented that. Solomon, Solomon is very flamboyant. It is, it is luxurious, you know. All right, all right. He got gold on the on the cup on the keep goblet. Going. Keep going. You can see how really flamboyant he was because in the yeah, same bro, verse, bro, bro, I, I was waiting to talk for this room. All the kings, all King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold, and all the vessels vessels of his, of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king <laughs> had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys, bro. <laughs> I'm like your boy, your boy thinking he's Michael Jackson, like, bro. <laughs> bro, but no lie, right? My roommate called it Rennie, my good boy Rennie. I think he was on the board. Oh, he didn't talk, but he, he said, he said, yeah, he said oh, you know, on our boards. Rennie had this fascination with like, like animals on Instagram. Like he'd be looking at baby lions and, and he get me into it. I ain't alive. Bro. I was going to say. I look at, I look at lions. I look at bees, bro. I look at all these nature stuff, right? You had a bee run. It was yeah, kind of weird. I had to run with bees. I said, oh, look, <laughs> look at that. Look at that. Nest. Oh, that's the queen. <laughs> but it's interesting because animals, bro, Whenever, like, you follow rappers in their rapper lifestyle, whenever a rapper is, like, at the top of his luxury game, he's going to bring up the white tigers or some type of exotic animal that is not native to America. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And Solomon was giving it up just like that. Like, he's bringing in apes, like, for what? Why? <laughs> to a desert, bro. For to what, a desert, bro? bro. For what, bro? Oh, we need some apes in there, bro. You know what set this place off? Some apes and some monkeys. monkeys. What? <laughs> Am I thinking, I don't know. bro, who catching these things? How y'all transporting them on ships? Like, bro, for real. Like, we, like, we look at these ancient civilizations, uh, ancient civilizations and be like, bro, how y'all do this? These people domesticated elephants and thing. I'm like. Yes, bro. How? And, and every three years, he bringing in monkeys. Because they probably dying. Yeah. <laughs> he's, really, he's importing. That's what I'm like, bro. You're importing monkeys. <laughs> you're sending people to go find monkeys, capture them, keep them alive on a ship, and bring them to Israel, bro. Yes. But I must say, though, us being in the Western civilization, it might seem a little more peculiar to us than it would to them, especially thousands of years ago because they might look at us and say you all domesticate dogs you know what i mean like for real like like at some point in time someone had to take a liking to this one animal and everyone's like yeah that's not that's pretty cool that's cool that's not bad but it's so many animals to choose from you know we're gonna talk about how solomon just like disregarded silver completely yeah i mean literally nothing to him yeah i ain't gonna lie but i think i think i think the bible is kind of saying like silver isn't as wasn't valued during the time when, I don't know, bro, because during the time when this was written, silver would have obviously had value. But oh. then again, no, 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 I can't even do that. You're right. You're right. Solomon bugging because um, what your boy name was sold for 30 pieces of silver already or 20. Um, Joseph. Exactly. Yeah. My thing is, I just, it, it really just shows how much gold he had. Yeah. It was like, I have so much gold. Silver is pretty much valueless right now. Right. So I thought I take this as saying like during this time, silver was valueless. 
but it's actually saying Solomon Nation was so was so up that silver was like a waste of time. It's like That's, how they get it's like how they getting rid of pennies now. Exactly. You know what I mean. <laughs> And in verse 23, we see, so Solomon, so King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Yes. Right? Riches in the world, bro. When you're making a billy a year base. Kind of hard to talk that. (laughs) And that's before, that's before your deals, bro. Exactly. Exactly. Like. That's like investments and stuff, bro. That's before you sell or trade or. You make a billion dollars in today's time, you're making a lot of money. Fox. Fox. Then that's unfathomable riches, bro. And this yeah. and this isn't even paper money, this is no fake money, bro. This this real gold, this bro. Real valuables, <laughs> like you can flip this and make a jewel, you can turn this into jewelry, or you can turn bro. this into like cosmetics around the house. This have actual um functionality to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so now in verse um 24. 24. Now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom. All wow. the earth, when God had put, which God had put in his heart, each man brought his presence, articles of silver and gold. See, because to people, silver still got value. They ain't no. They ain't <laughs> I, can imagine Solomon, I can imagine <laughs> Solomon laughing when they bring gold in. I appreciate this. Our servant, uh, donate this. <laughs> what is this? What is this shiny thing? It looks like steel. Get it away from me. <laughs> steel wasn't even a thing yet, Dre. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like iron. What is this? Garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules at a set rate year by year. <laughs> it's like Solomon was making commission off of these other nations, bro. Yes, bro. You know, I completely missed the, 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 the line that said he was he was more rich than anybody in the world. I would have come into this chapter speaking differently had I already established that he was the richest. Like I wouldn't even I wouldn't even compare him and the Queen of Sheba the way I did. You know what I mean? Like, bro, but then think about it too, bro. If people come in to hear your wisdom and they bring in you a quarter mil, a quarter bill, you understand what I'm saying? Like, come on. <laughs> it's hard not to be the richest. If that's the type of gifts they come in with, you know. Exactly. But it also shows you have something of value to add to people that they're willing to even bring this much. You know what I'm saying? Because yes. to for one, I mean, you know, we kind of make light of it, right? But like some of these journeys weren't like simple journeys to make, bro, because you could get robbed, you could get hijacked along the way. You know bro, what I'm you, saying? It's just crazy, bro, because how much food you gotta pop just to just to get there, bro. Like like non-perishable foods, bro. You gotta cook on the way. Like, you know what I mean? You gotta camp out and cook and then like just saying. And this ain't the easiest thing. And then back then too, like they would travel with all these animals. Like, okay, yeah, because again, there's too much preservation on these long journeys. Like, okay, so we traveling with the sheep and the goats and the cows that we actually yeah. need to kill along the way as well. Yeah. But again, it shows how God was using Solomon at this time to again bless the other nations. Like this is what Israel was supposed to be doing. But again, we know Solomon was getting a little greedy with it. But this mm-hmm. is kind of, in the essence, in this purest form, minus the greed, It's this is what God wanted for Israel. Israel was supposed to be the light, the salt on the earth, the, where other nations would be blessed through them. And it's yes. like the first time we really get to... See it happen, bro. We get to see, see it happen. Yeah. <laughs> see, David David almost get there, but they will fumble at a crucial time. Mm-hmm. David was almost done with all his wars, you know what I mean? But then he shoot himself in the foot. Figuratively speaking, you know, we ain't get to see David really enjoy the fruits of his labor. Mm-hmm. 
And so and Solomon get to enjoy it. Solomon get to <clears throat> over indulge. Oh, yeah. So in verse 26, and Solomon gathered the chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. Wow. This chapter was just talking about how we, how we do silver bad way. Yeah, but he was, he was very rich. And he made cedar trees as abundant as sycamores, which are in the lowland. But again, it's showing how we turn in luxury items into like everyday... Commonalities. Exactly. That's how up we are. <laughs> exactly. And then in verse 28, also Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kiva. And the king's merchants brought them in from Kiva at the current price. Now the chariots that were imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver... And it's like nothing to him. And the horse, 150. And thus through their agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Okay. I'm going to let you kick it off. Okay. And so, <clears throat> while reading this chapter, when you, get to, when you get to verse 14 or so, you're like, man, the Bible really just highlighting Solomon's wealth. And boy, was he rich. But without the background information. See, it's chapters like this where the author is being very unbiased. And it's like you say, like he's writing under the assumption that you already understand Torah. And so when he talks about all of the, I, I just go straight to the horses. When he talks about the horses from Egypt, you're like, okay, that's another thing that he exported. That was another stream of income for Solomon, which is why he was so he was so rich and stuff like that. But then again, when you read in Deuteronomy 17, it is very specific. Do not go to Egypt for horses. God, God, in his in his wisdom, he already, it's almost like God was writing this for Solomon only, bro. Like, oh. <coughs> Was for everyone, but specifically that Solomon, right? Bro, don't go to Egypt because God understands, you know, y'all, y'all closer to Egypt than other cities, than other mm -hmm. countries. Y'all could be the middle moms. Ain't nobody going all the way over there just for horses, but they need horses. You could go there and come back to your spot, and the people, the Hittites and all them, they could come to you for the horses. You know what I mean? You could be the new Egypt. You could, you know, you can make a big um empire or you can make a big business out of that. God understands how advantageous this is, but he also understands that it is important in your spiritual journey not to backtrack. Exactly. Go back to Egypt. That was exactly. a fact. But not mm -hmm. only did my boy go back to Egypt, my boy found a bride back to Egypt. He found a father-in-law that was willing to do a lot for him, including kill people in other cities and give them as gifts. Now, it make a little, it is a little different when you realize that Solomon was richer than than um, Pharaoh, Pharaoh give that as a as a gift, as a as a dowry or like a like a wedding gift for them, right? But like to me, when I read that earlier, how to, without knowing this information, I'm like, all right, Pharaoh them, they got so much money, like they just they just doing stuff and they they giving it to the gift to his son in law. You know what I mean? A little gift for y'all. But now I look at it different. 
I look at it as Solomon have so much money, but I can't even really give you money right now. Like the best I can do is just kill, kill, kill a bunch of people in the city, uproot them and give you this land. I could give you labor really, but I can't really give you money. I can turn this labor, which is like war into an asset and I'll give you that. You feel me? Because mm-hmm. I can't really compete with you because, you know, you, you, you live it, you rolling it. Right. But <clears throat> Solomon and all of his wisdom is deliberately not putting his wisdom into action. It's staying as a thought. And as a matter of fact, God basically, God ain't telling you why not to go to Egypt. He's saying, don't go to Egypt. But Solomon know why you should go to Egypt. If I go to Egypt, I have a cash cow right here, a cash horse. You see, I said, I got big dollars mm-hmm. waiting for me in Egypt. I understand you saying that these people could turn my heart away from, from you, Lord. But guess what? I can handle it. I can handle it. And so I will do that and I will stay close to you. Bro, I don't know, though. Like when you read when you read Deuteronomy 17 and you do not have the bias or the, or the assumption that nobody cares about Deuteronomy or these things ain't, ain't valid, if you read it for face value, God not only says not to do these things, but then he, he takes it a step further. He says, yo, Write this thing down. You write it down so you don't forget it, right? Write it down so you can't say you never come across this, right? And then after that, read it every day. Exactly. Read it every day so you don't forget. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, that's something I would tell you. You do smart for your own good. I've heard that before. <laughs> I think that's the case we see with Solomon right now, right? Because to your point, it's like wisdom without doing is like you almost foolish, right? Mm-hmm. But we can't say he didn't know. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, we see the end, how they tried throwing the technicality that could have been how we rationalized this decision. God say, you know, one, don't go to Egypt. Don't multiply horses for yourself. And don't go to Egypt to multiply horses. Like, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because the only person we ever see really do this is, is Solomon. It's like, God wrote this for Solomon, right? <laughs> yeah. But again, but now we see Solomon saying, okay, you say don't multiply horses for yourself. Um... Don't return to Egypt to multiply horses. But, you know, Lord, one, I ain't really going to Egypt. Other people going to Egypt. Two, I ain't multiplying horses for myself. They really getting sell to the other nations. So, again, and, and the reason why I'm saying this like this is because we've all been here before. How many times have we rationalized doing sinful things or things, actually straight up sinful things, but things we know we shouldn't be doing because we could catch it on a technicality. You know what I'm saying? Technically, I ain't really lying because, you know, I ain't trying to hurt this person's feelings. So which one is worse? Technically, I ain't stealing this because they don't need it anyway. They ain't gonna miss it. (laughs) I I got a bad one with people that say all the time. Technically, I don't have to pay tithes because I donate to the poor. Technically, I give my money to certain organizations so I don't have to pay tithes. You understand? Mm-hmm. Bro, and, and like to me, it's like, you making a sacrifice. But is it, should, should you make this sacrifice at the expense of obedience? Obedience is better than <laughs> sacrifice. And the craziest thing with this is, mm-hmm. Solomon probably knew that story about Saul. It, he was, <laughs> that was only two generations ago, barely. You know Pops. what I mean? 
Obedience is better than sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Solomon, even before he get to the chariots, Solomon wrote the rule, the command of God that said, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Silver was so abundant to the point it was like stones. Silver was so abundant to the point where it's like, it's like nobody cared, bro. Anybody could get that. You know what I mean? Like that's that's nothing. That's nothing, bro. We on gold, bro. That's just that's just exactly. how, how thriving this economy was. Solomon was a Solomon was a businessman to a fault. You know, and it makes sense because Ecclesiastes, he he do have some gems. He do some have some gems before, but multiple streams they ain't coming all that. Mm-hmm. But you know, God didn't, and I, and I might be reading this wrong. I might be looking at the technicality or making an excuse, but God didn't say. Do not multiply silver and gold. Do not greatly multiply silver and gold. Bro, it gets to a point where it's like, bro, you doing for more right now. Or you looking for blood, bro. It's like, how much money, bro, from you make a hundred million. That's already too much money for you. But you go on for the bill. You know what I mean? And you probably had multiple billions. I, I don't know how to quantify all this. But we ain't even count how much you were selling the horses for or... You know what I'm saying? The, what you was getting from other merchants and, and other transactions and stuff. We know just your standard, your fixed, your fixed income is, is over a billion. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, it's, it's interesting too, because you might ask like, okay, why? Why God said not greatly, right? And the very essence, if we just look at how God intended for Israel to be run, right? When it was supposed, he was supposed to be the king, but they wanted an earthly king. Where this earthly king was still supposed to, you know, Give all the honor and glory to God and be God's servant among the people. So when you get so much wealth, you kind of stop relying on God, no matter who you is, because you don't, you tend to feel that you don't need God anymore because there's nothing out of your reach that you can't do for yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm making a billion dollars a year. I want a gorilla. I'm getting a gorilla. I don't have to pray for this gorilla. Nope. I don't have to, you know, have faith that this gorilla could show up. I am going to spend the money and the gorilla will appear. Yes. That's just what money does to people. It gives you that false illusion that you don't need God anymore. And, and, and the king, especially who's leading God's people, should never be that comfortable where you're saying, I don't need God for anything. So just kind of some of the context is why God say, don't, greatly multiply because at the end of the day god is saying you know i don't want you to be of course granted god already blessed him that's the thing about it like god already blessed him abundantly like solomon didn't didn't start off broke we see how much inheritance david alone leaves solomon even if god did nothing for solomon solomon would still been rich because of how, how solomon was already pre-blessed from david and so for everything my, god has done for david you know what i'm saying and that's my thing bro so you know you could easily read this and say <clears throat> so God break his own command. When he say, he's can, remember he say he's going to give Solomon riches. Just off the strength that Solomon was putting the people first and trying to be a good leader. God was like, bro, you ain't asked for riches. You ain't asked for, um, to, 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 to be superior over your enemies and stuff like that. But I can give you all that. I can give you all of that just because of your humility, right? So mm-hmm. now when you have riches, you can easily turn around and say, oh, God contradict himself. Mm-hmm. Oh. God didn't contradict himself. God gave him riches. God gave him prosperity. God was basically saying, no, be greedy, bro. 
you already in a place where even if you do nothing, bro, if you sit down and don't make no investments, you could be rich, your people could be rich, and your children could always be on the throne forever. All you have to do is be obedient. But that wasn't enough, bro. You decide, I want a big house with all the things that was in the temple, right? I want to I go to Egypt. No, I, I want to have all of these business transactions. I want to multiply gold. I don't want silver. Right? Get that silver from Rami, bro. But even to make matters worse, after all this money I make in, I want to go to Egypt. I want to go to Egypt. I want to create a new business. And I can find a bride to strengthen my political ties with Egypt and make sure that is we always good to run transactions and things like that. Solomon, strike me as a man. Politics first. That's number one. When the Queen of Sheba come here, I do it every day to make sure we have a good alliance. I telling you, I I I putting on a show. You see what I saying? We go, mm-hmm. I make sure I be cordial and stuff like that. I marrying this this um, heathen nation princess. You understand what I saying? <laughs> so our our houses can be in line. I building up a big house. You understand what I saying? I doing everything, bro. Solomon, Solomon, like like to me, it's almost as if it ain't almost as if. <clears throat> I was having this discussion with my wife the other day, bro. Mm-hmm. I was saying, like, one of the one of the biggest like cringes for me when listening to motivational speakers, especially those who are Christian, is like they speak as if your input 100 percent determines your output. As if God might not have a, a plan for you. Whereas no matter what you do, God might not allow this to come to fruition because He actually wants to get you to go here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's things that you and I personally worked on that didn't work out because God was giving us a pivot. And a lot of times it's like, that was that was even better than what we had in mind. We was lowballing ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Big fuck. So like, I feel like a lot of times, like motivational speakers, it kind of lacked that, um, it kind of lacked that, that, that sense of awareness. Like me personally, I do believe that if, if God did not care about me, I would have probably been further along in my musical journey. But the fact that he wanted to preserve me to be a minister for his kingdom, he didn't allow me to be exposed to a lot of these things. You know what I'm saying? And I was reading a psalm, bro. I think it's Psalm 53, a psalm of Asaph, bro, where he was, where Asaph was just saying, bro, look at all the wicked people, bro. They have everything. They have, they have prosperity, you know? And then, and then Asaph turned around and said, I almost talked like that before I realized that you put their feet on slippery ground. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? You allow them to have everything. And you allow them to continue to slide down that path of uh, 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 abundance and indulgence because they don't have a hedge of protection on them. They already they already show you who they really are that they don't even care about you. So you don't even put that protection to withhold certain things from them that can stray their hearts away from them. You know what I mean? But our man, our boy Solomon, he he moving from the perspective that it's because of him that all of these things is happening. God gave him the gift of wisdom and he making it seem like this wisdom is mine to do whatever I want to with it. But it's not. You know what I mean? You can't make all these political connections because you know you diluting the godliness of this nation. You feel me? And now you're doing stuff and you're relying on other people. You see what I'm saying? You're relying on your wisdom. You buy whatever you want and it's to your point of If I could do everything myself, what, what, <laughs> what does it matter? Like, what does God mean to me? If I do everything by myself, I don't need God, bro. Mm-hmm. You know? And so when it gets to that point, 
Solomon get to a point where he's like, I don't have to listen to God. I know what I do wrong, but I'm going to ignore that because God don't want me to get this money. God believes that I can get straight away, but I know too small for my own good. I know I ain't getting straight away. You see what I'm saying? Oh, but Solomon could have been so bad, bro. Solomon could have been to the point where a lot, like a lot of us Christians, we know I can get straight away, but I know God forgives. You see what I said? I know I can always come back to God because this is a wise guy we're talking about. You know what I mean? So he understand, bro, when Moses, when when God was about to kill the Israelites, I think, after the golden calf, or one of them times, he's about to kill him in the wilderness. Moses going to God and say, God, I know you are a, a, a compassionate God, slow Long to anger. suffering. Long suffering, abounding in love. And I read that chapter like, what God are you talking about? Not the God who about to kill him, eh? Right? Well, guess what? When you continue to read the Old Testament, they continue, they continue to see people describing God as that. During the time of Moses, we didn't even get the fact that God had already, he already toiled with them time. And this might have been the hundredth time they mess up. But this is the first time it documented in Exodus. So it's like God being unreasonable. Bro, if Solomon who spoke to God one-on-one, understood God, he knew that God was bound in love, slow to anger, compassionate. You feel me? So he know that I could go to Egypt and God will forgive me. You know what I mean? And like he take, he take liberties and tears on on. Bro, I know, I know we, 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 but at the end of the day, we see a man who is too wise for his own good. Right? He feel like he understand all of the ins and outs. He understand the consequences for his actions. But the problem is, you know, he, he, he underestimates the slippery slope that he's putting himself on. But, but at the end of the day, bro, at the end of the day, this is such a, like a paradoxical moment because it's like wisdom without application. Is it still wisdom? Mm. My boy knows better, but does not do better. And so because of that, you are acting foolish. I don't call him a fool because I will contradict the word of God. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning, beginning of wisdom. Of wisdom. You understand what I'm saying? And that's his words. If I'm not mistaken. And he, and he would know. If I'm not mistaken, you know what I mean? So if you get to a point where you no longer fear God or you no longer fear his commandments or you, don't, you, no, you no longer see the need to be obedient of him, to him, I'm sorry, then you are not wise. King Solomon, the wisest man on earth, had also become the richest man on earth. He was truly admired amongst his peers, and he did business with many nations. However, due to Solomon's desire for fame and quest for riches, Solomon disobeyed the decrees that a king should follow. He multiplied his riches, he imported horses from Egypt, and also, he had many wives. But we'll talk more about that on the next episode of A Breath of Fresh Air. Tonight's episode included voice acting by Ayana Arbison Gay, as well as your host, Nakaz Gay. Remember to go ahead and research on your own in order to get a more firm understanding of tonight's episode. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to like, 
subscribe, and share with your friends. You can follow us on social media at A Breath of Fresh Air Pod on Instagram and B O F A P O D on Twitter. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.